In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For my friends that know me really well, I have lots of little quirks. One of them is that whenever people return from a trip, instead of just asking, how was your trip? I want to get the details. And I always ask the same three questions. What was the most beautiful thing you saw? What was your favorite thing you ate? And who was your favorite person you met? These three questions give me a window into that person's experience of traveling. And it also helps them to share about how their journey has changed them in some way, how they are better because of where they have been, the different cultures and that they experienced, and the small relationships that form so easily when one is in an unfamiliar place. In our reading and our gospel lesson this week, I was captivated at the thought about how Peter and James and John might recount all the ways in which their trip up the mountain changed them. I wonder what they might have been thinking on the, their way up the mountain, just six days after Jesus told Peter that he is the rock upon which the church will be built. I wonder if their muscles enjoyed the climb or if they were wearily but willingly following Jesus. I wonder if they rubbed their eyes in disbelief as Jesus changed right in front of them. I wonder if the brightness of Jesus' shining faith, face cast a warmth like the sun on the disciples' faces. I wonder if Peter and James and John looked down at their own clothes to see if theirs were dazzling white just like Jesus's. And I wonder if when they looked up and they saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus, if they glanced at each other, wondering what was happening. And then, bless his heart, Peter, in all eagerness, jumped up ready to do something in the midst of this visceral and miraculous experience that he and the others were having, he told Jesus that it was good that he was there, that he could make the dwellings for each of them. Bless his heart. <laughs> and then before Peter could even finish that wild plan, a bright cloud came and covered all of them. And from the cloud came the voice of the Lord that said, this is my son, the beloved. And I wonder if that voice was a booming, strong voice that commanded attention, or if it was a gentler and more peaceful voice that quieted Peter's anxiety. I wonder what the earth of the mountain smelled like when the disciples fell to the ground. I wonder if the dirt felt cool in the shade I wonder if the disciples' pounding hearts trembled visibly against their chest. 
I wonder when Jesus touched them and told them to not be afraid, if they at first flinched at his touch, worried for their lives. And when they realized that they were safe, I wonder if they looked up and they saw Jesus standing all alone, no longer surrounded by the prophets and shining brightly, if they doubted it as if it was all a dream or if the others saw it as well. I wonder if their minds were racing as they came down the mountain, distracted with, how, with thoughts of how this experience changed them. And I wonder if they knew what Jesus was talking about when he asked them not to share what had happened on the mountain until after he had been resurrected. Now, to Matthew's audience, this imagery would have been striking. The parallels between the transfiguration of Jesus relayed here and Moses' journey of Mount Sinai are abundant. The bright white, the voice from heaven, and of course, the inevitable but changed descent from the mountaintop. What we hear today in Matthew's account of the transfiguration is really just a little glimpse of Easter. It's a glimpse of what is to come after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, a small window into all the ways in which those of us who follow the crucified and resurrected Christ will be changed by following Jesus. All the ways in which those who follow the one who is transfigured will be transformed in our daily lives as well. The Greek word used here in Matthew's gospel for transfigure is the same word from which we get the root for the word metamorphosis. It's the same word that's used to describe a striking change that one must undergo to become what they were created to be. To be transformed to be changed into something that once we could only hope to be comes from following Christ. And we aren't just here to sing flowery songs and to make our hearts glad. And we're not meant to just let crosses hang from our neck or to sit in a pew for an hour on a Sunday. The call of Christianity, the call of following Christ, is that we are meant to actually follow Christ, like Peter and James and John. We are meant to follow Christ down the mountain, into the low places where there isn't much shining or delight. We're meant to follow Christ to the places where the weight of the world seems as heavy on us as it does on the least of those people over there, whoever and wherever those people are for you. Because after all, after this fearful and miraculous experience, the three disciples looked up and it was Christ alone. Standing there was not the great prophets or even a shining bright form of Jesus. Now, when they looked up, standing there alone was Jesus, just 
plain Jesus. And this plain Jesus doesn't want the glory into which he was changed, the glory into which the disciples were changed to stay on the mountaintop, but wants the glory to go to the low places. The disciples and the Christ had to return to the world which we would, which would, as we all know, soon mock and crucify Jesus. But they had to go. They had to go back down the mountain. Because to be changed for change's sake isn't really of much use. It doesn't do much good if these three disciples are significantly changed by what they saw and they don't go back down to the people. To be changed, to be transformed by following Christ can never solely be about who we are for our own sake. We cannot be a Christian for ourselves. It requires us to be oriented to others it requires us to be oriented to the ones whom God loves. It requires us to follow in the ways of the one who changed the whole world. To be transformed by following Christ is to be changed from who we once thought we were to who we couldn't have even imagined ourselves to be. In the transfiguration of Jesus, God is inviting us to be changed into the person and the Christian that we can only imagine. And I want to invite you to let your imaginations run for just a second. Who is God calling you to be? What kind of Christian do you hope to be at Easter, or in a year, or five, or twenty? God is inviting us to be changed into the type of person and Christian that we can truly only imagine because we choose to follow the transfigured Christ. This week, as Lent begins, we will enter into a season of intentionality. We are entering into a season of change. Of course, Lent is about repentance, but at its core, it's really just a season of change. Change can be scary and we can resist it, but it's also an opportunity to reorient ourselves to follow Christ up and down the mountain, to be changed by what we see and what we do, to let our faith be restored, to let our hope be ignited for what is to come after Christ is raised from the dead. So as we enter into this season of Lent, let us hold in prayer and intention where we might hope to go in this next phase of life. 
Let us hold on to the ways in which we intend to change and to grow as we work to follow the transfigured Christ. And let us hold dearly to the fact that with God's help, we can change. That we too can be transformed like the transfigured Christ from glory to glory. Amen.